One of the big things is the maintenance aspect of these properties. It all sounded great when people talked about the income and what the mortgage would be, but I never really factored in that, oh my goodness, what happens when a tenant moves out and we have to paint and replace the carpet and all of that. So budgeting for the maintenance item was something that I failed forward really hard to the point that, you know, I was 19, 20 year old and installing carpets myself in these properties because I couldn't pay for somebody else to do it. So these were some of the things that really still comes with a lot of uh, pain <laughs> and sweat and tears. Hey, well, hello, everyone. It is Julia Lachey, Daniel Dixon, and you are tuned into the Color of Money podcast. Uh, today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Amina Blake Foreman. And uh, Amina is a special person. Amina is an agent here at Keller Williams Realty. She actually has a team that's expanding into five different states. She is a MAPS coach. For those of you that don't know what that is, that is a real estate business coach. Um, and uh, they help make us all better. So she is a real estate sales coach. Most importantly, I think what's cool to me is Amina runs um, several businesses, really. Um, and one of those being a virtual assistant company. So we're going to have, definitely going to have Amina back to talk about leverage. But today, today we're talking about passive income. And uh, the reason that we're talking about passive income with Amina is because I had an opportunity to be in a room where we were at a wealth workshop. I know we've talked about KW Wealth several times on this podcast, and we were in a KW Wealth workshop. And I heard Amina talk about all the passive income that she was making that, um, covers all of her expenses. And uh, and the way that she was having the conversation and the powerful things she was saying, I knew we would have to have Amina on here today. So Amina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be part of this conversation. Thank you. Tell me, tell us more about yourself. I kind of gave a, a high level view, but there's so much more to you. Tell us about you, Amina. Well, um, most and foremost, I think I am a mom of two amazing boys. And um, this is one of the reasons why this wealth building journey has been so important for me is because we have to teach them the lessons that we would want to leave as part of our legacy and um, a wife. And of course, I have been in with Keller Williams for the past 15 years. I love this company. I love what it's done for me as a business owner and now as an investor. So that's it in a nutshell. And leadership, coaching, mentoring agents is definitely a passion of mine. And I'm excited to be part of this so that we can continue to raise up the next generation. And this color of money conversation is one that's definitely needed. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Um, I'll ask the first question and then I'll let Daniel jump in. But first and foremost, I guess I could ask both of y'all. Daniel, you too. You could answer this too. Either one of you. What is passive income? For those who aren't familiar with what we even are talking about or familiar with that term, what would you describe or define passive income to be? All right, I'll start. Well, basically, it's income that you earn with very minimal labor <laughs> in order to earn, generate, or maintain it. Um, I would say minimal to none because there are some income streams that I'll jump in that I have that I do absolutely zero to maintain. And there's some that require some effort, but it's super minimal. So that would be my definition of it. What about you, yeah. Dan? Um, a lot of people just call it mailbox money, right? It's the stuff that's going to turn up every month, whether you get out of bed or don't get out of bed. 
it's coming in the mail. We're going to shoot the deposits in. And I think there's a lot of people who, who look at just real estate as only being passive when being a landlord isn't always a passive game. <laughs> Sometimes that can be incredibly active. So, well, so what do you mean by that, Dan? So are there different types of, what are the different types of passive income? What is something that you actually have to participate in, like you're saying, being a landlord versus something that is truly passive where, like Amina's saying, you don't really have much effort, minimal to none, in actually getting that money? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Amina. Uh, I was going to jump into one of my favorite mailbox one, which is profit share. You know, I'm the number one profit share earner in my market center, and um, that is one with there is some effort, I think, in the relationship, but we do that for our business and what we do anyways. And when that check shows up on the 21st of every month, there are times where I may not have had conversations with anyone at all in, in the past 30 days, but that check shows up. So that's one of my super passive income streams. And the other one would be um, real estate syndications. Those, other than writing the check and checking in with the person, the general partner, they'll send you some check-ins from time to time. That is a very, very passive one for me, too. What is real estate syndication, Amina? So it's it's basically crowdfunding for real estate investment. So that would be where someone else, and for the two that I have, they're actually in Texas, and um, I live in New Jersey. So... Someone that I know and trust said we're purchasing this 200-unit building and, you know, in order to buy in, it was about $60,000 to get into it. They're running it. They're managing it. They're chasing the tenants. They're doing all of the things that I would do on a local level for my investment properties, but it's a larger project. And um, so you buy into the, the bigger project and then you see your returns um, this one had monthly distribution. Some don't. Some just have the payout at the end. So in a nutshell, it's crowdfunding for a real estate, very specific real estate project. Awesome. Yeah, syndications are really – I've never done one myself, but um, I hear a lot of great things about syndications and really having it be passive and let someone else do all the act activity and all the work. Just send me my check every month or every quarter or what have you and get a piece of the upside and – it's uh, can you elaborate a little bit more about what is like, how do you find a syndication? I mean, how do you, I know the person that um, you joined with is someone that you knew and trusted, but if you're looking, if you have an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars and it's not enough maybe to buy a single family home and get enough of a return, but mm -hmm. you want to crowdsource it like that. Like, how do you go about trying to find a syndication? I think it's relationships. Um, it's raising your hands, putting yourself in circles, having conversations, reaching out to people like us, right? Because I know a couple of them. I saw one in one of our wealth groups today that was posted out. I'm not going to participate in that one. So it really boils down to having relationships because most of these, because of how it's structured, they cannot market it too much. So they have to have some sort of a relationship with the people that are investing. So it really boils down to getting in the spaces, having the conversations with people who are doing it so that when the opportunity comes, they know to pass it your way. That's um, I love that you said that because we did an episode on your network is your net worth, right? And it was Alan Johnson and Emrick and Daniel talked about the importance of having a network and the people around you in relation. And Jay Papazan came on and talked about relationships. So it's all kind of like all of these things, we're hearing common themes and all of these conversations that you put yourself in circles where people are having conversations where you're like, hey, I want to... Um, I want to participate in that, which, by the way, when we get off of this, I mean, I do want to participate in that. So I need you to tell me what you saw. Yes. 
had to cover it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to stay in that wormhole real quick, how do you how do you analyze it? How do you determine whether or not it's a good investment for you to? I mean, giving up sixty thousand dollars is a big commitment. Um, knowing that you can't just decide to sell or cash out, like your money's all the way tied up. How do you how do you analyze that kind of deal? Yeah. So they usually, the general partners do a great job of breaking it down. So a lot of it, Dan, will come down to trusting, (laughs) which I know it's hard sometimes, but that's where the relationships come in. Uh, Trusting the general partners and their projections and what they have. And Mm -hmm. they will, they usually have a meeting prior to opening up the investment to sort of look at everything, what they're looking to do, whether they're looking to renovate the apartments, how much it's going to cost, what the new incomes will be for that specific project, and then what your expected cash on cash return would be and whether any monthly dividends are going to be paid out. So they do all the heavy lifting. You can ask a lot of questions during that. And I would encourage people sometimes, even before you do your first one, before I did my first one, I went to at least six or seven and didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then I did, you know, the last two that I had invested in. So the the idea is to trust a little bit of your and then ask questions as you go along with it, because they do the research in the back. End. And at the end of the day, remember, you do have a relationship with these people. So if they don't perform, if the, the project doesn't perform the way they anticipated to perform, they may not see us as an investor on their next project. So they work really hard. I see sometimes to underestimate the returns so that they can over-deliver. So that would be a really important piece is just get there, but know who you're getting into these syndications with. I love that you even mentioned um, trust a lot because also in a previous episode, we talked about taking risk because obviously what you're saying is there's some risk involved. You're just trusting these people that are, you know, and so being a, we talked about the fact that you really can't build massive wealth without taking some element of risk involved. And they were trying to help me, you know, really they was trying to help me with my mindset. Cause I was like, Mm-mm. I played bingo and no, I lost never doing nothing like that again. <laughs> so, but I, you're, you're tying all of these things in that there are uh, some risk involved and you have to be comfortable, you know, taking a little bit of risk in order to, to reap the rewards. Right. Correct. But so, okay, so real estate syndication, that's one of the ways of passive income. What else, Daniel? You were saying some things. I think even businesses can be um, a source of passive of passive income. I think the way my coach has always told me, uh, Brett's really big on noise. And so it's what is not noisy. So for me in my world, active is noisy, people, chaos, problem solving every day. Passive is not noisy, you invest money, things come back in returns. Maybe you make a couple of decisions here or there, but you're not dealing with the the noise creates chaos inside of inside of my life. So I like passive over active. I'm over the active stuff right now, to be honest. But what is <laughs> passive? So you said businesses. What kind of a business could I participate in that would be passive? I think really anything. Um, market center ownership, um, a subway franchise. Um, Laundromats. Laundromats. Bitcoin. Car washes. Yeah. I think it can really be any and all things uh, that you can invest money into and get a, get a return on. And uh, again, make decisions. Maybe you spend some active time or some noise on the front end of it to set the set the investment up the right way to then reap the rewards or put the right people in place to then turn it passive to you as well. Um, but it can really be anything. Yeah. That's one of the things I learned from Brett too is – 
you know, once you have the right jockey. We have so to have she, Brett on this podcast because everybody yeah. comes on and they're like, Brett, 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 Brett. I know our listeners are like, who the hell is Brett? Like, Brett, <laughs> yeah. Brett so, don't you want to I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. He, he, he thought, he, one of the things that I understand is that businesses typically are very active, but if you have the right jockey and you have the right talent, the person who that's the thing they wake up every day to make sure that they're moving that business forward, then it can become very passive for you. And I have two of those um, that contributes to my passive income businesses that run at a very high level. And if I spend an hour a week, I spend a lot in those businesses. That's awesome. So tell with us, share with us your own journey into creating passive income. What 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 went off or what inspired you to just wake up one day and it's like, you know what? I need some money I'm not working for. Like what <laughs> how did you start this journey? Yeah. So it's interesting because I did not wake up one day with I, I wish I can give myself that much credit. I definitely <laughs> stumbled through it. <laughs> so um it started with me migrating to this country and um, my, I came, I was the first one other than my dad to come and my mom and my three brothers were still in Trinidad and Tobago. And when I got here, I realized that we had to figure out a way very quickly to be able to help fund migrating the rest of the family. And I came here initially to go to college and I felt bad that if I had to take money for, from my dad to help me go through college, then how is how are we going to fast track getting my mom here? And I got really homesick. So I said, okay, I need mama here. So how are we going to do this? And when I landed, my dad was buying a house. And in that process, I was helping him through it. And his real estate agent, you know, said, you know what, you seem like a sharp young lady. You're helping your dad get all his documents together. You want to come work with me? I'm like, sure. So I started working in a real estate office. And then I saw her helping other people buy multifamily homes. And she was talking about the fact that, oh, the mortgage is this and they're going to rent it for this. So they're going to earn this much. So I said, dad, okay, what about if I buy a three family house and I don't have to live in it for very long. So then I can rent all of it out. And then you don't have to worry about helping me through college. I will let that house pay to get me through to college and you can take your money and get the rest of the family here. So at 19 years old, I bought my first three-family house, and that helped me pay my way through college. And at 20, I bought my second, and I realized there was always a purpose. And I really, it sounds great now, Julia, because I'm talking about it, you know, retroactively. But at the moment, I was just figuring out how to pay for the things that were important to me. And now there's a book called Lifestyle Investor. And I'm like, oh, I actually did that, but I didn't really know that I was doing that. So the things that were important to me, I found a way for me to generate the income to do it. And then I went ahead and seeked out my degree, but I didn't have to pay for it because the house paid for it. So that's how I stumbled into it. And it became a pattern in my life after that. That's awesome. I love that story. You said something so important there that you, you... You stumbled, like you, 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 you failed on this journey uh, at first. You, you stumbled on the process. Um, tell me a little bit about, like, I know we talked about successes and we make things seem really cool. I want to know about the failures. Like, what did you learn? What did you stumble? What did you fall flat on your face about? Um, and how did that change the, your wealth building journey? Yeah, one of the big things is the maintenance aspect. The maintenance aspect of these properties. It all sounded great when people talked about the income and what the mortgage would be. 
But I never really factored in that, oh my goodness, what happens when a tenant moves us out and we have to paint and replace the carpet and all of that. So budgeting for the maintenance item was something that I failed forward really hard to the point that, you know, I was 19, 20 year old and installing carpets myself in these properties because I couldn't pay for somebody else to do it. Right. So these were some of the things that really still comes with a lot of uh, pain <laughs> and yeah. sweat and tears. But I didn't think of that because no one was there to guide me in that process to say, okay, make sure you allocate a certain amount for the maintenance and the repairs and all of that. So that was one of the things that I failed very quickly, but then adjusted as I went on. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that the 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 thought of maintenance, we don't we don't think about make ready. We don't think about we just look at cash flow and all those fun things. So that's a really that's a really good uh good insight there on on owning real estate, residential real estate and how do you turn it over? Does it make more sense to push the tenant out and spend a bunch of money to make it ready or do we just cut a deal with the tenant and keep the tenant in place and not have to go completely remodel the unit? Yeah. So what do you, what do you both, both of you, what do you find to be like important about diversifying your income streams? I know a lot of times here at Keller Williams, we talk about having multiple streams of income, seven streams of income. Um, what's important about not just having your work, the, the, the income that you're working for, what's important about creating passive income and diversifying your income streams? It's just that golden rule of not putting all your eggs in one basket, I think is really <laughs> right. what it boils down to because we know, right? Sometimes real estate sales can get tough, right? Mm -hmm. Or we hit a pandemic and all of a sudden people, some people knock on wood, I got lucky, but some people were not paying their mortgages because their, their, their rents, they weren't paying their rents and you still had to figure out how to pay your mortgage. So if that bucket had dried up, then what? So, you know, life happens and things change. And if you don't have all your eggs in one basket, at least you have some eggs that you can continue to move forward with. And I, I believe that's the main reason for why having the multiple buckets, but I'd love to hear what Dan has to say. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of things. The, the bucket's going to dry up. Something's going to fail somewhere. And when all your eggs are in that one basket and that basket's failing, I'll give a, I'll be vulnerable. Do, do I have everyone's permission to be vulnerable? Yes. All right. So a lot of my businesses are tied up in the real estate industry. The market center, my real estate team, my mortgage company, my investment business. So when all things are going up, like it is, it is awesome. But when rates jump to 8%, we stop selling houses everything starts drying up really, really, really fast. So if you're having to float this company and that company and all of it's tied together, it put me on this new journey going, okay, we really have to diversify now because real estate's great and it's created an incredible lifestyle for us, but that may not be the be all end all. We've got to be able to have these additional streams to be able to get out of that rat race and you know create this passive income where your cash flow exceeds your expenses and now it's not having to work so hard to create a dollar every month. Yeah. I, I definitely like that. I know that people might be listening and, um, you know, there's always somebody out there that's like, yeah, but that's not me. Yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but, you know, you all are. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why they can't see themselves doing that. We also had a previous episode about mindset. So, um, Amina, I'm curious how you think that somebody's mindset might impact their ability to create passive income for themselves. Oh, that's a really good question. I think as a coach, let me ask Coach Amina. <laughs> what yeah. do you think? Yeah. I think it's programming. Um, to be honest, I think it's because maybe you never saw someone 
and, you know, your parents or your grandparents, you, maybe they didn't own a lot of real estate and you haven't seen them build a big life using and leveraging passive income. So you don't think that it's possible for you. And I would say that it's sometimes we have to be the person that finally says, okay, let's put this in our lineage. And it's a mindset of saying, you know, I may not have a, a, someone in my family to follow that have done this, but who's going to, who's going to finally turn this around for our lineage. And I think that is definitely, I was the first person from my family to graduate from college. I mean, the degree didn't do me any good. I still don't <laughs> use it to this day, but it was that mindset that I always had of saying, okay, if, if no one else is showing it to me, I have to at least create that example in our family lineage. So I think switching that, if it doesn't exist in your family, be the one, be the one, be the trailblazer. And um, that I think is a very helpful mindset to adapt because sometimes it's hard for us to find it and have somebody to model great grandma, whoever that did it. So that, that would be something I think you really want to watch for and, and be the leader. Yeah. And, now, and just attack, attack that first domino. Don't think about your 15, 20 unit portfolios. Think about that first house. Get the first house, take your lumps, get your lessons, and then recalibrate and start thinking a little bit bigger every every step of the way there forward. Yeah, that's, that's a great it's, point. Um, you know, as so going back to this coach thing, I think another pattern that I've noticed um, on this, I think we're on like episode 13 now or something like that, Daniel. Is that what we're on? Yeah. So going looking at all of these other episodes that we've had prior to, there are certain patterns when we're talking about wealth that just keep coming up over and over again. And uh, one of them is what you just mentioned. I would jokingly said as a coach, but I think pretty much in every episode, someone has talked about their coach. Uh, when we had Alan Johnson on and he talked about your network being your net worth, he absolutely talked about the importance of having a coach. So from going a little bit off of the whole passive income stream, since we're talking about mindset, what role do you think coaching has in someone's journey to wealth building? Well, that's big. I think, you know, you, what do they say? You can't read the label from inside the bottle. And the, oh, that's the, good. I've never heard that. I haven't either. That's really good. <laughs> your, your coach is that person that's outside of your bubble, your mindset, and they're coming alongside you. And they sometimes see things and see potential in you that you never saw for yourself. And they're not in the daily grind. So they mm -hmm. can come alongside you and say, hey, Dan, hey, look, Julia, you missed this one thing. Look at this opportunity. How could you take this and scale it to be something? I'm telling you, a lot of what I've done is because, okay, I'll tell you, prior to getting into Keller Williams fully and from a coaching perspective and attending all of the events, I had two of the eight properties that I have today. And I was at a Keller Williams event staying coachable. And Gary Keller says that every time you walk into a listing appointment, you better have three numbers in mind. The price you're listed at, the price you'll buy it at, and the price one of your investors would buy it at. That changed my life. And it changed the way I went home from that family reunion. I think I bought three properties within like the next three months because I wasn't looking for the opportunity then. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's absolutely good. I actually had Daniel come and speak to my team uh, to look at it in that, in that same way. We're not, and, and I think Daniel, when you describe it, you say, I'm not even there to list the property. I'm there to see if I want to buy it. Right. Did you say something Correct. like that? Yeah. The last thing that we even want to think about is putting a sign in the front yard. We have five other strategies that we want to explore before we even think about 
putting it on the market, dealing with showings, open houses, and all the rest of that uncertainty that we have in our market right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Awesome. And I think that coaching piece, I'm going to name drop Brett again, but uh, Brett, he's always, I've, I've wanted to tear things down and rip things up and I'm seeing it inside the bottle or in his perspective, the analogy he gave me is, Daniel, you're in the middle of a brush fire and I'm sitting 5,000 feet above you help, helping guide you through that brush fire. And when I can see that, like I will never not have a coach in my entire life, no matter how successful I am, because there's already someone that's already done it. There's already someone that sees things from a different perspective. Like you get tunnel vision oftentimes or even emotional in some decisions and your coaches are there to help kind of talk things through, help you see different perspectives and help you see the way out. Yeah. And as real estate professionals, a lot of times we think, well, if we buy the property, are we doing what's best for our client? And that was a big lesson that I learned in, in the journey where I went out to take a listing and when I walked away from it, she called me and said that she was going to go in a different direction. But naturally, being the salesperson I am, I just, just out of curiosity, helped me understand, like, what made you make a different decision? And she was like, well, what you're saying, I don't need the most amount of money. I don't, you know, this is my mom's house. I don't want to, I, it's all about the timeline for me. I need to get this done now. And that's when the light bulb went on. People are motivated either by the money or the time. And we are making that call for them sometimes thinking it's the money. And in her case, it was not. And I almost lost out on an opportunity. That was the first one that I bought. And this was a flip at that time because somebody else came in and was willing to pay her cash and close in five days. And I said, you know what? I'll do the same, but I'll do one better. I would allow you an extra two weeks to move in. And that was my first flip. So it really takes the one being coachable to recognize those moments and also just getting out of our own way and thinking that someone selling the house in the open market is what's best for them. We do not hold that power to make that decision for that person. So we better ask the question, what's more important? Yeah. That's we good. as a, we as agents get in our own way because we always think who's going to sell your home for the most money in the least amount of time, right? It's a script that we've always used. And that's just, that's not it. That's not what people want sometimes. They want ease of use. They want simplicity. They want to cash out and they want to go on vacation now. They don't, they don't want to test the market and deal with the chaos. So going back to this passive income conversation, I think the reason why we're even having a passive income conversation is because it does play um, some role in reaching uh, the financial freedom. Um, how would you say that creating passive income and what role does creating passive income actually play in achieving financial freedom? Is it necessary or is it just a good thing to maybe consider? I, I think it's necessary. We can't put the word freedom after anything if you don't have the power to do it when you want to do it, with who you want to do it with. You know what I mean? So the idea of passive income is like we get to go to work, right? We get to go to work because we love it and we enjoy it, but it's not that we have to. And I think that's where freedom ultimately is. When you can wake up every day and have that choice, you know, all right, I'm excited to go do what I do because I enjoy it, but not because I have to go do it. So with that being said, t talk to me about a life by design, because I when I if, when I see you, Amina goes on vacation, y'all like Amina vacations. All right. Like so. And 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 you every time I see you on social media, I'm like, I'm going to be living a life by design. Um, talk to me about what that means for you and how you've created a life by design. Yeah. Passive income was one of it. 
Bold was another one. You don't see me many places without my bold bracelet um, because that's the mindset piece. Um, and honestly, it is, I've taken the time. You, I can send you a screenshot, Julia. I have my vacations planned out for the next five years. Which, which oh, wow. countries, they may not be booked, but I know which country I'm visiting in 2027 um, because it's on there. And I take time to plan that because my philosophy is that I work between vacations, right? <laughs> so there is that freedom of getting up and saying, all right, I'm going to go do this, but I'm only three weeks away from my next recharge. So that's important, but I'm also only able to do that because of the passive income that's coming in to make sure that the family survival, everything else is taken care of. So now I can have my play money, right? When I get up and work, a lot of times I'm working for the vacation money because the family is going to live regardless. I can't screw that up now, even if I try, right? But now I get up because I'm working for, to book that trip to Africa next year. I'm working for, and then it's fun. Now, now it's utilizing the happiness advantage fully. So that's, my definition of life is I'm doing what I want with who I want, when I want to do it. And um, I've really worked hard over the past few years to, to live that out. Wow. So what's, what's next? We own, uh, I believe you said 15 doors. Is that right? Eight properties, 15 doors. We're at 12 doors. 12 doors. So, yep. So my goal, I turn 40 next year and, um, <laughs> It's a big number, and you know my, it's, not, my, it's not that big. Calm down, Amina. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, yes, it's a powerful number, and um, by age forty, my goal—I I need to be at twenty doors. So I have another eight that I want to pick up, and duplexes are my sweet spot. So hopefully, four more duplexes, and we're there. Um, but more importantly, it's the cash flow that we need. And because again, lifestyle investor, I want that beach house. So the, those, those doors are going to allow me to have that house in another Island that I can Airbnb, but also be able to enjoy it with my family. So that's, that's the next big one for me. That's cool. And I think that, that, that journey didn't exist when you, um, when you first came here, that, no. that dream didn't exist when you first came here. So it's, it's, it's exciting to see, Take one step, take two steps, and then now the steps become easier and you start moving even faster for it. I love that. Yes. Yes. So I guess I, I guess it's at the point where we ask if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom to share with our listeners about how they too can create a life by design through passive income. Number one, surround yourself with amazing people. You have this great resource here. And it's really not a shameless plug for the color of real estate is literally how I believe people like Dan and I have been able to surround ourselves with others that would impact our lives, will help us see things in a different light. Now it's like, I'm not chasing that many doors anymore because now I've learned new things again through, right? Now I want to move over to the note side and start, you know, buying notes and, and making it even less even more passive because and less active because we don't have to deal with the tenant situation and all of that now when you own the note and the mortgage. So I think it's really putting yourself in the environment, constantly growing yourself, investing in yourself, being in the rooms with people like Dan and Julia, and really just taking heed, create a vision for your life, make sure that you're looking further out. Gary says you can be anywhere you choose to be. 
in the next five years. And so many times we underestimate what we can achieve in five years and we overestimate what we can achieve in the year. Plan five years out, know where you want to go, and then go put in the work and enjoy yourself. Enjoy doing it. Enjoy putting in the work and then you'll look up. I didn't realize when my net worth had crossed a million dollars. I really didn't because I was just enjoying the process so much and just focused on doing that. I just looked up one day and I was like, oh, crap, this is kind of cool. So really just surround yourself with awesome people, invest in yourself and, and, and have your oh, crap moment. <laughs> Daniel? I, love I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't follow that up. I mean, I think that was perfect. It was. It was. Well, Amina, thank you so much for joining us today on the Color of Money podcast. It has, of course, been a pleasure to talk to you. Like I said, we're definitely going to have you back because you do own several businesses and you are living a life by design and somebody's doing the work. And so I, we can't wait to talk to you about leverage of how you're leveraging all of that stuff so that you can enjoy um, your life with your family. So thank you for being here and we will love to see you next time. Take care, everybody. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience.